We would like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners and custodians of the lands on which we record from today, the peoples of the Kulin Nation. I also pay my respects to the elders past and present. I extend that respect to the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples here today. Meet the Source, a new podcast from Cappy, where hosts Emma Evans and Thurman Wise get to the source of our daily rituals, speaking with entrepreneurs that are changing the face of our day to day. From making our bed to a glass of wine and everything in between, we give you a peek into the leaders making our daily rituals serve us better, support our communities and bring positive change to our surroundings. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of The Source Podcast. As always, your host, me, Thurman Wise, and... Me, Emma Evans. And today we have a very special guest, Nick Tassar. He would call himself a Melbourne hospitality professional. I prefer to call him a Melbourne hospitality legend. During the day, you'll find him at a distillery making some of the most beautiful products on the market with Marionette Liqueur brand. And at night, and most importantly, Sunday lunches, you'll find him running around the Fitzroy wine bar, Bar Liberty. And if you've had a blue drink in the Melbourne area, I would say that you're 85% likely to have had Nick's Blue Curacao. So first off, we're just very excited to have him. So Nick, welcome. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, I'm Nick Tessa. Today's episode is, I have to say, in our whole season, one of the ones I'm most excited about because it explores the world of hospitality. And we're going to be diving into the ritual of the last call. So for some of you who are not familiar with what is a last call. It's something um, that you're very familiar with, Thurman, isn't it? It's something I'm very familiar with. And I think I would actually pass it to Nick to explain to our guests what what last call is. So last call, I guess, has more relevance in a late night cocktail bar or a dive bar or any kind of drinking establishment. It's uh, about 15 minutes, half an hour before closing time where bartenders announce the last drinks for the evening. Now at Bar Liberty, we normally do it about 11.30, so it's a much more civilized time, but still the same same kind of idea, calling last beverage for the evening, wrapping things up, sending people on their ways, whether it be directing them to a, another establishment or, or calling them taxis to get home. It's... Uh, about how to finish our service and end the guests. A very concise definition of, of last call. Thank you, Nick. And I think it's one of those like it's one of those interesting things. I spent many, many years behind the bar and it's one of those things that it's like the it's both the best part of the night, but also the worst part of the night. It, it's like you get that last bit of conversation in, but it also means that you need to start cleaning up and tidying up and getting everything ready, kind of ready for the next day. But I find that it's it's probably to me one of the most interesting or interesting parts of the evening, that last little bit of time where people kind of get to enjoy what you do. Nick, what do you find? Like what's your vibe on on the last call, whether it be you serving or you you add an establishment? And from a service point of view, it's great as a team exercise. It's kind of a coming together of of the team at the end of the night because everyone's exhausted. Normally that's about the time where we pour the chefs a glass of wine as well and brings everyone together. It's Fantastic. I think Monday night's my favorite night for it at Bar Liberty because it's normally when we have the most hospitality in. We get a lot of familiar faces, uh, people who really want to unwind from their weeks. And I guess these are the people who have the, the strangest body clocks as well. So they're the ones who are most likely to be there at the end. During the week, it's often kind of 
wrapping up family meals that have lasted a bit longer, people who haven't seen each other for a long time, especially at the moment, and kind of drawing a close to their, their evening. We're getting a lot of larger groups through at the moment because no one's seen each other for two years. And it's it kind of hard getting those groups to, to move on, but also you, you don't really want to because they're, they're enjoying it so much. And, and kind of just making sure that everyone's happy and the evening's rounded out. It's quite, uh, quite nice at the moment. No one's too rowdy. Yeah. I mean, you bring up an interesting point that it's like, you know, you brought up that you said people haven't done it for two years. And like one of the things that I miss most about hospitality was we take certain rituals for granted. You know, like it's, it's the restaurant's always going to be there. There's always going to be a last call. And, and then for two years, we just didn't have it. It was, it was, it was very strange going and doing last call at a bottle shop at 5 p.m. <laughs> Before your very, curfew. <laughs> yeah. It was a very, very different experience having all of the alcohol already packaged and being taken away. So there's no consumption. There's no washing up. It was just lock the doors and walk out. Emma, I was giving you, I was trying to let you get hop in there anytime if you want. What I'm curious about, because I, I have not worked in hospitality before other than here at Cappy, you know, on the business side, I guess I'm assuming it changes night by night, but is it side of this like linger or leave? Like the last call can go for 10 minutes or an hour, or is there kind of like a flow to it and you need to get people out the door? There's, there is absolutely a linger or leave element. I am really bad at it. I tell everyone that we're closed in the team and then a familiar face will kind of poke their head in the door and say, hey, do you mind if I have a one glass? And I always say yes, even if I'm falling asleep and dribbling. And then by saying yes to them, I have to say yes to everyone else for, for one more. We've got yeah. a license that is to one o'clock. So we're legally allowed to go a little bit longer, but we normally try to close at midnight and I'm just not very good at saying no. So that, that last call uh, <laughs> has a tendency to go for a little bit longer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And as soon as you say yes to one, then you say yes to everyone who can see that. Yeah, and totally. Then you've just given yourself an extra half an hour of service and some really daggery looks from the other staff members. So we're not going to dive into your sleep routine and your sleep cycle knowing that that's how you end the evening. But then... On the other side of that, when we begin the day again, is there any kind of ritual that you then start the day with or how you kick it off other than like a shot of espresso? I, I find it super important to kind of take a bit of time in the morning. That first hour of the day sets the tone for the rest of the day. I've got two jobs, so I, taking that time for myself, I, I like to have a coffee, stretch. My legs are normally pretty sore from the night before, read the news, try and connect with a few things that are going on outside of my little sphere just so it's not all about that little bubble that is the things that I do. I think it, it kind of broadens horizons but also grounds everything else. There's, there's so many more things going on. And I think having that connection at the start of the day is just kind of loosens me up for, the, for everything else. I think also the coffee and the, the half an hour before I speak to anyone else makes me a much more reasonable person to deal with. <laughs> And what is it like, I think you like you, you brought up that interesting point of um, reading the news because I just hear so many conversations now where people go, I've stopped reading the news. I'm, I'm just, I don't want to know what's going on out there. It's interesting that you say that you actually start with reading the news because it gets you outside of that bubble. Yeah. And what is it about that activity that makes you just want to do it or, or want to know what's going on? Partially curiosity, just like to have an understanding. A lot of it's perspective, like the the things that I'm doing are not that important. They're just 
things that I like to do, things that make me happy and hopefully make a few other people happy. But in the broad scheme of things, there's a lot of other things going on. And I guess it's important to understand that everyone's priorities and interests are different. And I guess reading, reading that and taking your mind out of your own insular activities just op- opens you up a bit more for the day. Also, I mean, it doesn't have to be serious news. Sometimes I just read the sport. <laughs> yeah, there is good news out there. What are some of those things that you read? Like, do you have like a go-to, go-to source? I normally start with ABC News. I like to read about, I guess, the landline kind of perspective, a bit of a farming perspective of Australia. I like to read about Australian sport, a bit of world news, and then a few, a few local headlines. Like what time of day do you then start to kind of transition into your daytime world? Look, I'd always start Marionette World at about 9am. So I get up seven thirty, eight, eight 8 o'clock and have that me time. By about 9 o'clock, we're normally meeting Q either in a warehouse or at the distillery to, to get on with the day. And then that kind of flows on until about 2 o'clock when I head home, have a shower, and then go into Bali Is there a big period of transition from that daytime to nighttime? Like, do you, do you feel like, are there two Nicks? floating around in the day or is it yeah absolutely <laughs> um, and i think the reason i enjoy doing both things so much is because it separates both things i get to kind of turn off from the other one to do the other so i, I go home have a shower and then walk to work listen to music that half an hour walk kind of is a reset maybe try to call my mom while i walk to work and then once i get to work it's it's about by liberty as opposed to marionette it's nice how your rituals are in a way like setting you up for the day or grounding you and bringing you into presence or in the afternoon, moving you into transition. So rituals, like you said, it could be so simple as just speaking to your mom or listening to music, but it's it, what, it, what it does for us. You know, it's not like any of us operate in that nine to five world, clock on, clock off. So you have to create those rituals to be able to create kind of flow to the day. Yeah. It's, it's those little, little bits of, uh, kind of relaxation that make you fresher. Yeah, totally. And I think it's like, it's really cool because I feel like sometimes, you know, people so often we get overwhelmed, right? We think I don't have time to, to find stillness, but stillness doesn't have to be sitting in a room meditating, or it doesn't need to be, you know, like going to the gym or whatever it is. Like, like you, like you said, like it could be a walk, it could be a phone call, it could be a coffee, like there are these moments where we can find just a pause to like recoup, you know? Yeah. I find that it's about 14 minutes to walk to work from my house, which to, to Liberty, which is not very far, but those listening to three songs, it's amazing how much that just kind of takes away from whatever you were just doing before. It's a, like a, a complete removal. What are the three songs today or what were the three songs yesterday? Yesterday I listened to Groove Amata while I walked to work. The sun was shining. It was a good time. It was a good day. It was a good day. <laughs> yeah, it felt, felt good. This morning, I have not walked anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> you woke up in the uh, Worksmith podcast booth? <laughs> uh, I, I drove to Worksmith this morning. I was, oh, okay. uh, I was trying to be on time. I, I failed still. <laughs> but it's even like things like that, like going for a drive, you know? Yeah, look, I don't find driving to be relaxing. It's something I don't like doing. <laughs> That's why I, I don't drive to work. I, I used to, and I, I used to drive to work so that I would always be sober, so that I, I wouldn't wouldn't have a second glass of wine after work. 
But I found that the walk home and being an adult, <laughs> trying try to be like was was more important than like the the driving restrictions. Self control, good self control. Yeah. <laughs> trying, trying. I gotta tell you, Nick. Though I I'm probably up there in worst drivers in the world, and I I hate driving. I'm even I'm a I'm a worst passenger probably, and Emma can Emma can speak to that. But like for me, driving is not relaxing. But I walk everywhere. Like I walk to work, to and from work every day. And my walk is an hour and five minutes. And it's the same thing. It's like, listen to music, talk to family, talk to friends. There's just something about that walking that is so nice where for other people, they'd be like, Oh, just let me go on a long drive. And I'm like panicked. I'm like driving more than five minutes. Yeah. I find that I, I, because I'm sitting down, my attention span is just completely gone. And I, I, I'm fine with city driving, but especially in December when the candle definitely gets burnt a bit, like we're, we're working long hours. If I have to drive for an hour and a half to, to go somewhere, then I need to have a few, few snacks, a few drinks, and a, a lot of stimuli to, to keep me going. This episode is brought to you by Melbourne Cocktail Festival, the week-long festival running from the 4th of April to the 10th, celebrating the best of Melbourne's cocktail culture through events in 30 of the city's best bars. A citywide bar safari with venues featuring bespoke cocktails created for the festival and Splash, the tasting day showcasing the finest Victorian spirit brands as part of Melbourne Food and Wine Festival's Drink Victorian event. Tickets go on sale in early March. For more information, check out our show notes or head over to melbournecocktailfestival.io. So you've been in the food and beverage industry for a little bit now, but for those people that maybe are not so familiar, how did you land here? What was it that really attracted you to dedicate so much time to two sides of the fence of it all? I just really love it. I, I like food and drinks more so I like I guess the way it brings people together. I think the hospitality side of it is is so so strong. As a, a culture, we really bond over food and beverage. It's the time where it brings people together. It's people's break, and it brings happiness. Uh, I get more joy from sharing food and beverage than I do from just about anything else. And it's always been that way. I went to university after school, <laughs> followed that path, and then didn't really know what to do. Left Australia, went backpacking came back and decided that I wanted to take hospitality seriously. So moved to Melbourne to, to pursue that. I thought that, that this was a place to do it. I was always so in love with every, everything about the industry down here. There's so so much diversity and everyone engages. So I moved to Melbourne and thankfully got a job at Jim Palace and kind of worked my way up from there. Learned as much as I could. Treated it like a regular job in that I wanted to, to learn as much as I could and be as professional as I could. To, to excel in the industry. I think you brought up like a kind of funny point there is you said treat it like a regular job. And I think that that's actually a really interesting part of the industry that a lot of people don't understand sometimes. It's like almost like this separate separate world. But yeah, it's yeah. like, it's it's almost like because it's at night, like people think, oh, it's it's separate. It's yeah. like a different, it's a whole different world, but it, it isn't, you know? There's, there was definitely, there used to be a perception that it was a transient industry where you were just doing it while you're getting somewhere else or you're doing it because something else didn't work out. 
Whereas I, I feel like that's very much changed in the last five years. People see this as something that you can do for as long as you want. I mean, there's definitely tolls on your body. Uh, and it's, I don't think I want to be waiting tables when I'm 50. I don't know if I will be able to. But I, I definitely want to be involved in some way. There's just so much, so much good and so much joy that comes out of it that I, I don't want to do other things. Have there been any like key key people that have been a kind of across your journey that that have maybe either helped get you to where you are or just kind of inspired you along the way to to kind of do what you do? There's been a lot. I've, I've worked with heaps of great people. And I, I think it's more than just identifying one. It's taking small bits from all of these different experiences to, to build your own, own version of what's right and wrong and what, what you enjoy and what you appreciate. If you can kind of take all of the information and disseminate out what you really appreciate. Uh, it kind of allows you to, to build the model that you like. There's certain parts of working at Lume which were incredible in terms of learning how to get the most out of a team and how to strive for excellence. But there was also a lot of things that I I hated about Lume where I felt like we went too far in terms of burning out and there, there wasn't enough balance. I really like what we do at Liberty because there is – a lot of balance. It's, it's a very much a, a place where you can come in, give your best, and then leave it at the door and go and have a life outside. Uh, everyone, or almost everyone who works there, has a, a, a number of other things going on outside, which really leads to a, a much more balanced life. And also, like, I think the ability to take more more joy from work because you're you're filling your day with all of these other things, and then you come into work and you get to focus on on the task for that period of time, do the best that you can do, and then go back to, to other things that you enjoy. I think that word of balance is just so incredible. Like how can you help people find balance and not let yourself get burned out, right? I mean, as, as someone who doesn't really understand how to find balance myself, <laughs> uh, I definitely recognize how important it is for, for others. I, I don't really have an off, an off switch as much as I should, but I... I recognize that I need to have one more. 14 minutes of balance. Would it be 28 minutes of balance? You have 14 there and... True, true. I, absolutely. Yeah, that's a really good point. <laughs> I'm a half hour of coffee in the morning. That's almost an hour. It's a yoga I mean... class. <laughs> <laughs> When you add it all up. No, it's nice to hear because obviously like at Cappy, you know, hospitality is in our DNA. And so I feel like we're so fortunate to be a part of the industry whilst we're just, you know, on the supplier side and the brand side. Our owner coming from hospitality, we have that different outlook on business where we do go to dinner or we have lunch and in a way try to find balance in that way and try to find those moments of connection beyond the emails and beyond the to-do list and make sure that people are kind of having fun along the way as well. I think one of the, the biggest things that I've found in being quite busy recently is just taking the time to enjoy the whole process, enjoying everything that you're doing along the way, which makes it, as opposed to like working towards the, the end goal of and taking all of the, the pleasure out of just achieving that, Enjoying the, the whole process makes it so much easier. Yeah. Find the joy in washing the dishes. I feel like there's a lot of T 
teachings yeah. about that. If you can enjoy washing the dishes and enjoy that moment, you can also enjoy yeah. eating dessert or having a glass of wine. While, while polishing plates, just have a have a joke with the people next to you. It's, yeah. It's quite like it, it makes the, the time go faster. It's, it's fun. I mean, it's funny sometimes where we try to label things that we like and we don't like. It's like, I like doing this. I hate doing that. And it's like, you can actually, you can make yourself hate something or you can make yourself like something by just starting to say, you know, this is, I like this, I hate that. I like this, I hate that. Where it's like, if you can kind of just go into it and be like, I'm going to make the best of this one, you know, it might not be the most pleasurable task, but. Sometimes the, the most monotonous task can be quite meditative. Like you, you're just doing something over and over again, but in that it becomes muscle memory and you kind of get to switch off again. What's your what's your muscle memory task at uh, Marionette? Well, depends on the season. Uh, definitely in, in winter, it's peeling oranges. We we got to almost ten tons this year of hand peeled wow. oranges. And I imagine at Marionette, you have quite a lot of like you know interesting conversations. You guys are really you know coming out with new and exciting things and being a bit of a challenger in the industry. Is that a part of your mindset that you're wanting to pave the way for something different and new and tell a different story? I guess we just want to, to, to try and make the best product that we can engaging with those who, who grow, try to, try to find people who produce great produce and explore that in production, but also try to be consistent, try to keep up with demand, but also make a product that is consistent for the bartender that uses it and I guess evolve into a, a sustainable business where we can, can keep it going, uh, eventually have our own space and work towards, you know, I guess, our, our company balance where we get to have a bit of uh, downtime ourselves and maybe like go and spend more time going out to the farms and in- engaging with those people. It's so interesting that you talk about like the farms and the people that grow and in the beverage industry. And I mean, this is, I kind of harp on about this quite a bit sometimes. So I might sound like a broken record, but people often just, they don't notice where things come from or it's, it's still sometimes not that like conversation piece of like, Oh, you mean that this liquid in this bottle comes from somewhere or like the fruit is coming from a farmer. It's almost like sometimes there's this gray block on, on where things come from in beverage. Like, do you find that in the industry or, or is that kind of something that you're, you're trying to give people some insight to? I think it's funny because we, we talk about provenance in food so much and every menu that you read talks about, uh, I don't know, where, where the meat's from, where the eggs are from, where the, the milk's from, where the grains are from. But then when it comes to the beverage side of things, it's a lot more forgotten. But I think that engagement, uh, and like it keeps getting better and better in the last few years and it starts with wine and those conversations and then I think it kind of trickles down into to beer and more people are talking about I guess the ingredients that go in and where's this from and like how's it made and then after that it goes to spirits so it's kind of like a, a five-year evolution per per sector where there's a bit of flow and effect but it takes a long time for that to catch up and I think that mixes kind of sit with spirits as well where people are just happy to, to pick it up and, and drink it. But that's finally changing now where people are engaging with what's in the bottle. And hopefully water as well. It's such a, a, a big part of the, the makeup of hospitality. The, the food, food and drink should be treated the same way. And it's great that we're, we're starting to see that, that flow and effect here.
Yeah. And I mean, it's so cool. I think like if you're listening and you can't pick up my American accent, I'm, I'm not from Australia, but I have to say like being here for the last two years, I mean, what's happening in food and beverage and spirits in Australia is like, I've, n- I've never seen anything like it in the world. I mean, it's like, it has to be, it has to be one of the most exciting times to be in any industry right here. It's, it's changing fast. And I mean, we saw, we saw the revolution of grower producers of wine. We've seen the revolution of small breweries and now we're seeing that come through for spirits and mixes. I guess the, the change of perceptions from people drinking whatever gin and tonic to people being happy to spend a little bit more money and have a, a, a truly great drink and probably also have a little bit less. I think people are becoming quite mindful of what impact does this have on me the next day? Like, do I do I need to have six drinks really fast or can I have two drinks and enjoy them and make those drinks as good as they can be? It's almost too like there's something really beautiful about those moments. It's about that slowing down. Just enjoy that. Enjoy that really, really special moment instead of just be like, let's have eight quick. Yeah. yeah. It's a marathon. I'll, I'll remind spread. you of that next time, Sam and Winnier. What? When uh, Nick saw me Saturday, so <laughs> everyone needs reminding sometimes. But if you if you work towards it, then it's better better overall. Yeah, yeah I'm just I'm just practicing <laughs> being reminded. Sometimes you just get excited. I know you said that you take lots of little things from from people that inspire inspire you to create that service. You know, if you kind of had to leave a mark on a young hospitality professional or someone that really wants to get into to spirits and creating like what, like what would you want your mark to be? Or, or do you have like a, a piece of advice that you would share? I think it's really important to be yourself to kind of in, in, in the service sense, be willing to, to be true to yourself in terms of your own personality, not try to try to be, be forced because it'll be a lot more genuine and that engagement will lead to the guests enjoying their experience a lot more. And I guess in terms of production, take joy from the whole process. It makes the whole job a lot easier. There's there's so many opportunities. If if anyone wants to do beverage manufacturer, so many of these small family-run or friends group-run distilleries and breweries and everything else are crying out for labor. There's there's so much opportunity to learn. Essentially, you can get ten years worth of learning in two years now by being hands-on. I feel like this is a. By the way, we will give Nick's email address for anybody that wants to peel oranges. <laughs> <laughs> and if, if anyone looking to make that transition, now's the time to to reach out to a producer that you appreciate and say, "Hey, I'd like to come and work two days a week," because that's how you learn. Well, I, I mean, it's so cool too, and like I think like we're in this huge shift of like there's the old way of doing things where. You go, to, you go to school, you get a certain amount of education, then you go to be, whether it's an apprenticeship or you, you understudy. And I feel like there's so many new ways of learning. You know, like, like you said, like if coming to peel oranges for two days a week with the local producer, I mean, not only, not only are you going to learn about production, but you're going to get a whole life lesson. We have, a, we have a social committee at Cappy. Maybe we can put our hand up for that. We'll help oh. you out. We'll help you out next time. You've got yes, like, please. you know, there's like 10 or so. I mean, I don't know how they'll feel about it, but like that would be good for us to learn. I'll let you give that news. <laughs> this is coming from the top. 
<laughs> we'll say that it's just going to teach them about like balance and presence and appreciation. Well, also to the appreciation of how much work and effort go into what you're drinking. Bottle. Yeah. Yeah. Especially that's one of those things that a lot of people don't consider. Have there been any practices or things, whether it's like new daily rituals or like new, new interests that you've had? recently that have like brought you joy or, or things that you've like not expected to I've uh, been playing tennis a little bit again recently and trying to temper my level of competitiveness and just enjoy it <laughs> I, I, I used to be way too competitive well, I mean I still am <laughs> in tennis I used to get very angry and I tried not to get angry while I play <laughs> but just just having that uh, I guess sporting release has been huge i've felt absolutely terrible afterwards physically but uh i felt so fresh uh, mentally for the next few days i've actually just moved and there's a tennis court right near us and um, we were thinking about joining so i feel like this is a sign that i need to do it i walk by a tennis court every day and i think this is the year that i'm going to learn how i'm terrible at tennis I don't well know you how firstly to play you'd have to buy runners to be able to play tennis you wouldn't be able to wear Birkenstocks I do have a pair of runners <laughs> for the record they just have holes in the toes but speaking of, if we do play tennis just saying I also am extremely competitive like so we could play tennis and then Nick can give the person who doesn't win the worst job in the peeling process of like making the <laughs> perfect I, I it's a meditation for me I'm gonna it'll be me you bring up an interesting point about like being competitive and it's always like, I, like I, I definitely sometimes don't do things because of like my competition level. Cause I'm like, I'm not going to enjoy it unless I'm winning, you know? And it, it's crazy, but like, you know, not to get too personal, but like growing up, my dad, fantastic man, love him forever. But he very much had this attitude that second place was the first loser. And so it's like, I'm still trying to process that and break that down. And sometimes I'm not competitive with others, but it's, I'm competitive with myself. And like, you know, it's just interesting you talking about tennis and about break, like you're trying to break that, you know? Yeah. How do you, how is it going? Uh, it's a process. <laughs> it's going to be a long process. I like being competitive with myself because it motivates me to be, I don't know, faster and better. I, I, I really enjoy that. I get in trouble with my teammates at Marionette because I will be on the bottling line working out how many bottles per hour we're doing and seeing if it's better than the last time. That sounds like me. <laughs> <laughs> but purely just because I, I like to see improvement and improvement motivates. We would like to thank Marionette for helping make this episode possible. Created by four of Melbourne's most sharp hospitality minds, Marionette makes classic liqueurs with an Australian twist. Their philosophy is simple, drink local, drink seasonal. And they walk the walk by partnering with local farmers. Oranges, mandarins, almonds, walnuts, stone fruit, and berries galore. Team Marionette harnesses the wonderful produce Australia has to offer to create a serious product without taking themselves too seriously. Obviously, crazy last couple of years. Now we are, you know, getting through the busiest time of hospitality, but heading into a new year. 
Is there any new rituals that you want to bring into your life or any new forms of inspiration that you're seeking out? Obviously had a lot of time to reflect the last couple of years. So what's kind of murmuring around for you? I am going to start Pilates in the new year. Tennis and Pilates? Go you. I really like the elements of stretching and yoga, but I find the – I've only tried three times, but I found the the yoga sessions that I've been to hard for me to engage with. So I think that that structured stretching of Pilates could be a good in-between for me. Yeah. My my mum's a yoga instructor and she keeps – expressing a concern about my lack of flexibility. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's interesting to think of, I guess your mom is a yoga instructor because growing up, did you get a lot of that mindfulness or was there something around taking time and not just like stretching, but like not to say mindfulness, but was that like taking time to yourself? Was that instilled with you like at a young age? Or? No, mom's yoga journey kind of started when I was finishing school. So I, a fair bit later than when I was engaging. It's been great for her, but I, I definitely missed out on that, that part of things. Uh, by the time she was starting to do teacher training, I wasn't home very much. You were, ba- you were backpacking ready to move to Melbourne? Yeah. <laughs> or or work, working nights and uh, sleeping days as a young hospitality worker. Are there any brands or people out there that are just wowing you at the moment that you're just like, man? Absolutely. I guess it's the, the smaller producers that are, are really catching my attention. There's a, a little vodka gin and other producer called Swiftcrest, which I think they're doing incredible stuff. They essentially produce everything on their own property. They're completely off the grid still, all steam-powered, and they're, they're producing fantastic products in, in regional Victoria. It's so small. Like I mean, like in terms of like they're, they're growing everything. You know, they're producing everything. Like... It can't be mass. Yeah. And it's like, that's so counter to everything that we've been told for at least as long as my life, right? It's like mass, it's cheaper, you know, you can get to scale. And now all of a sudden there's guys going like, no, nah, it can't be mass. But it's, it's something we see in wine. We, we search out these wines that are a small pot of fruit that produces this this pure expression of, of the grape and... and the part of the beauty is you might get to have one of these bottles every few years. And I think that's the same thing can be done with spirits. There's a, a guy in the UK that I've been following for a while and I'm really interested in. He produces eau de vies from single single trees. A hundred-year-old tree makes a, an eau de vie from the apples of that tree. It's a real art. There's a real kind of magic to it. Yeah. And there's kind of something about it, like even just talking about it, like – I just had like a little light bulb moment of like, it's a precious moment. Like even the 14 minutes that you walk to, to work, like it's such a, like it's a limited resource, your time. And it's almost like the more limited the resource, the more sweet or the more beautiful or the more like how much enjoyment can you get out of that small bit? We live in a world where it's like, you can have entertainment, you can have f- food from wherever in the world at any time that you want we're almost like overwhelmed by choice and pleasure, but it's like actually like the really beautiful things are scarce. Have you noticed a change in hospitality post COVID? Do people behave different? Is it, does it feel different than before? Cause I think there was this attitude of everything's going to go back to normal. At the moment, 
I think that people have realized how much they appreciate it as a consumer. It's such a, a big part of the Melbourne culture, that engagement in hospitality. People realize how much they missed it and how much they, they missed that bringing them together with their friends. So engagement's really strong. And in terms of the hospitality workers, I think we haven't really seen that yet, but we'll get to see our, our industry's worth of people experiencing hospitality again. And it's going to be beautiful having those people to serve because at the moment everyone's run off their feet and the, the one or two nights off they get, they're falling asleep straight away. When I am. And that re-engagement's going to be fantastic. I think everyone's keen to to experience what everyone else is offering. It also just seems like there is like that extra energy. Like I don't think I've ever seen more places coming soon mm. than mm. right now. I mean, just following like different Sydney, Sydney, Brisbane, Melbourne, like creativity just seems to have blossomed. Yeah. There's also been an element of those who want to be in the industry realizing that like there's no time like right now to, to yeah. do what they want to want to do. There's, you may as well put, put your expression of hospitality forward and uh I guess, hope that everyone enjoys it. It's true. So many positives out of such a roller coaster. Yeah. And because people are putting themselves out there, most of these places are awesome. They're so so unique and so very much like a, an expression of everyone's own individual experiences. It's so so nice to, to sit down and engage in something different. And so if you're not at Liberty and Thurman's calling last call, where where will we find you? Where's your favorite last call? Uh, I do frequent Black Pearl too often. It is h- halfway between Father Mitty and my house, so I often... It's like a seven minutes. <laughs> well, it's, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that last seven minutes can turn into like 10 minutes if, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's just really nice to, to go and see friends. There's so many places I haven't been since we've got, come out of lockdown that I, I'd really like to, and I, I think... January is that time. What are some of those spots on the uh, the Nick hit list? Justin Fitzroy, I haven't been to Congress or Hope Street Radio or Napier Quarter in, in the last few months. I, I'd like to go back to all of these places that I thoroughly enjoyed before lockdowns. There's a, a raft of new places opening in regional Victoria that I really want to experience in Dalesford and Kyneton and Castlemaine. I, there's all, all of these like small places that I, I really want to engage with and then I guess I should probably eventually get outside of Fitzroy as well. You know, experience other suburbs. Is there anything out there that you feel like is really important about beverage or hospitality that isn't being said or or if you had to kind of like give people a behind the scenes? I think there's just certain things that like, for example, fashion, right? Like I know a little bit about fashion, but that's such a huge part of life that who knows what's going on behind the scenes of fashion, you know, or like, in beverage, you know, there's so many little like little intricacies that people just because they they don't have enough time just will never know. You know, like are there any like little little things that you would like you would like people to know about what what you do? I, I think in terms of hospitality, I think that specialization is is going to be more important. I think people should do what they do really well and say no more. Watching the the staff shortage at the moment, I think that the people trying to say yes to everything is is going to be detrimental. And the more places that say, well, this is what we offer and we offer this to the best that we can, but we don't offer these because it'll bring down the quality of everything else that we offer, will we'll be super advantageous. And as a consumer, I think that 
like now is a perfect time to to make those changes to the industry. Say no is not as bad as we all were all taught in in hospitality originally. Say say no, this is the reason we don't do this because we think that we could do these things really well, but we just don't. We choose not to do that because we don't think we do it very well. It's fantastic, and it kind of invigorating when you say no. <laughs> I'm gonna start saying more no at work. But no, but I often say that at work. I often say like, if you're saying yes to this, what are you yes. saying no to? Yeah. I like that one because it's the trade-off sometimes. So then kind of being like, well, what is actually the most important element here? Because, I mean, you're head of Brantham and you experience it the most, but people are just at you 24-7. Can we have a call? Can we do a sponsorship? I want to talk to you about this event. And, like, before you know it, you've got 20 calls a week. And that's hard because you don't want to – you know, tell people, no, I don't want to talk to you, but it's just yeah. a balance. And I think though, like, and Nick kind of brought up a point, it's this, the cost fatality thing. Cause I'm the king of yes. And like, it's so funny because we have a cappy phone line and some days if there's no one there to answer it, I answer the cappy phone line and I cause trouble for everybody. This like, for example, this really, really beautiful woman called in last week. She had a party on Friday and she ordered Cappy stock online on Monday. And oh, hey, COVID, yeah, chances are, chances are low for that delivery coming. <laughs> COVID has messed up supply chain. So anyway, she called and I answered the phone and she was like, oh, I'm just, I'm in a pain. Like I'm, I'm stressed. I have this big event coming. She's like, I love your guys' bottles. I just, I ordered five cases of still, five cases of sparkling. She's like, is there any chance I can, it's going to come tomorrow? And I was like, no. And I was like, maybe you can try to go on Amazon. And she was like, How, do I just go on amazon.com.au? And I was like, you know what? Let me see what I got in here. And I went down to our storeroom and I found four cases of still and five cases of sparkling. And I was like, you know what? I'll get it to you tomorrow morning. And, you know, it's like that thing of like, <laughs> do we have the time to do that? But at the same time, I'm like... It's hospitality. This lady needs a freaking water for the party. And did we've you, all been there. Did you look up where she lived before you said yes? <laughs> I, I did know she lived in Turkey. No, not Turkey. Not Turkey. What's Turak? She lives right. in Turak. That's oh. so that's, different. That's achievable. Yeah, yeah. With, with your driving, Turkey could be a, like a two-day trip. Yeah, definitely. I was walking. I was going okay, to get a, I was gonna need a donkey. <laughs> Could you imagine seeing me walking down the street, like looking how I look with a donkey and just 10 cases of cappy water? Yeah, I can't be, imagine that. That would go viral. But maybe that'll be my, my, my new mantra. I got to say no a little bit more. <laughs> time, is, time is precious. It yeah. sure is. Well, I think we've had a beautiful, beautiful chat today. And I think it's probably time to call... The last, last call. call. The last call. <laughs> That's, Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the third episode of the Source Podcast. A very special thank you to our amazing guest, Nick Tassar, as well as our fantastic sponsors, the Melbourne Cocktail Festival and Marionette Liqueur. So happy that we could join us for such a great conversation. If you enjoyed what you heard, please give us a download or subscribe or better yet, a comment if you're feeling a bit verbose. But 
catch you in two weeks for episode four. And until then, hope you have a beautiful day. Ciao.